over summer, we're having a little break at tea with the Queen, but that doesn't mean you're left empty-handed. I'd like to share with you some earlier interviews from Season 2. Our listeners love all our stories, but these ones in particular stood out. Please enjoy. Hello, I have an invitation to tea with the Queen. Yes, Emma's been expecting you. Please come in. I think that we just massively underestimate, especially as women, our own capability and awesomeness. And it's changed. It's changed my life completely. Yeah. Sometimes I think you go through this journey as a business owner and think you're a bit crazy. You're like, who am I to have this dream? I just think women are hard on themselves. I wish I had been more confident in what I was capable of. But I feel like you do what feels right for you and that's going to be always on brand. Women, our natural inclination is to be pleasers and to put other people before self. I've never had a tea with the Queen before and this is such a pleasure. (laughs) Hello, I'm Emma McQueen. And welcome to Tea with the Queen. Have you ever wondered what it's like to host a radio show? The pressure of coming up with new ideas every single day and then performing without a safety net to thousands of listeners in a capital city. Well, my guest today has done just that and more, much more. Joe Stanley was one half of the Matt and Joe show on Fox FM for 10 years, the number one brekkie show on Melbourne FM radio. She's also a TV host, a children's book author, a columnist for Sunday Life magazine, and if that's not enough, she's also the founder and CEO of Broad Radio, a radio station for women. I've known Jo a number of years, and so it was good to sit down and chat with her about how she's always doing stuff, her passions and her mantras. Thank you, Jo, for joining us on Tea with the Queen. It's so lovely to have you with us. It's my pleasure, Em. You know, we've we've chatted on and off for a long time now, so it's nice to do I it know. officially. I know, officially. <laughs> officially, <laughs> it is nice. Hey, how does one become a host of a top-rating radio show? How did you do it? That is such a hard question to answer. Why me? <laughs> <laughs> apart, from, apart from talent and grit, why you, Yeah. <laughs> Uh, well, but it was really luck as well, Em. Like I was doing stand-up comedy and my then comedy partner, Jodie J. Hill, and I were doing a show and for the comedy festival. This was sort of 1999, 2000 and, you know, that was when radio stations, they really sought new and interesting talent. The head of content at Austereo at the time came and saw our stand-up show and... Yeah, we had a meeting and then bizarrely Jodie and I got a Sunday night show and then that was for a year and then she and I did a a show Monday to Friday, 9am to midday on Fox FM for two years and the minute I was on radio I understood it. The minute I I was there, even though I'd never been trained and certainly learnt on the job and, you, you know, come in very green and really have no idea what you're doing and there's so much to learn, I also immediately understood what my purpose was there and that is to engage the audience with conversation that matters to them, that makes them feel like they're less alone, that makes them feel like 
yes, I can laugh at this because it's the same thing that's happening in my day and my life and my family. Um, and to do that in ways that hopefully is entertaining and moving and compelling and interesting and informative and <clears throat> all those things. So, um, yeah, I guess there's an element of talent and a shitload of hard work and a good deal of luck. <laughs> what went into preparing to the show? It doesn't sound like you would just wing it. <laughs> no, it was a huge amount of work. Radio at its best sounds like it's underprepared, but it never is. You know, same with podcasts, conversations that are interesting and compelling and entertaining don't just happen. The rapport between people, sometimes that does just happen. And certainly the best radio, you know, you think about your favourite teams, they just have a natural rapport. And I was really blessed that I came into a show with Matt Tilly and Troy Ellis. So that was our, our team from the minute I was there to when I finished on that show. So that was 10 years. And we just really connected. Maddie and I had exactly the same kind of social conscience. So we had the same values when we came to planning the show and planning all of our story arcs. That was really valuable, I think. And I suppose years later, I really see how lucky I was for that to be the case because I could have been paired with someone who didn't have that same sort of values. And same with the work ethic. As a team, we had really, we committed to planning, writing, great ideas, working really hard to come up with something that we hoped had not been done before and something that was important to our audience. And a great team behind the scenes, like incredible producers, fantastic, um, you know, editors, audio producers, people who just really believed in what we were there for, which was just to make a difference, I guess. Um, you've also been on TV many times, and we'll talk about the House of Wellness in a minute, but is there a big difference between radio and TV? Huge, huge difference. I much prefer radio. On radio, you could have an idea at 5am in the morning and it would be on air at 7.30am exactly as you imagined it and it would be spontaneous and fun and it would have that energy of creativity. You know, we would have production meetings before the show where you just bounce around ideas and nothing was too extraordinary. Nothing was too extreme. And the fun of that was your job. That was your job. Like how amazing, <laughs> right? Amazing. Um, yeah. It was. It came with a lot of pressure too because you'd go in there exhausted with a cold, having had a fight with your husband, your baby hasn't slept, and you're like, oh, now I have to be creative. Um, <laughs> it's pretty hard <laughs> at times. Yeah. But TV, whilst it is a creative endeavour, and it is collaborative as well, which I really love. Like there's, everyone's got their roles and you work very closely together and you rely on each other to do your roles the best you can. But even with live TV, it's a lot more effort to put ideas together. It doesn't have that same spontaneity and it's a slog. It's really hard to keep that creative energy in a space where it's just a lot more pieces of the puzzle to make it work. Most TV, you can't be spontaneous in the same way you can with radio. You can't respond to what's happening that day, that city, you know, that yeah. moment. It's planned that much in advance. You're the host of Channel 7's The House of Wellness. You're also the ambassador for Smiling Mind and the patron for the Lighthouse Foundation. Tell us why is wellness so important to you? Well, I mean, I kind of fell into the whole wellness world because I found myself working on the house of wellness 
And that, again, oh, my God, an incredible gift because I just finished oh, come on, radio. found yourself working <gasps> on the House of Wellness. I just fell into this. <laughs> no, but see, I mean, there's I a guess... talent there, Joe. Come on. <laughs> no, but, but I guess I say it that way because, you know, the entertainment industry is so – it's so difficult to get a job, right? And you go for so many jobs. You would, you know, have yourself up for whether you audition or maybe you had a meeting with or whatever. But you would be, let's say, it's like an interview. If you counted all of your opportunities to get a job as an interview, you would go for 95 interviews and maybe get five of those. So to make it make sense for yourself, because it is so it's an industry that, you know, really triggers a great deal of anxiety and a great deal of negative self-thought. To make it make sense for yourself, you have to approach it from the t- point of view that it is luck. It is luck. It's luck because you and 20 other people can do exactly the same job, right? And 20 other people love it as much as you. And it comes down to, like in the acting world, it comes down to, oh, they wanted someone taller. Or they wanted someone who was, you know, I don't know, less blonde, more blonde. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Whatever. Often I will say in media it feels like they say um, we just want someone who's a little less female. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> Not much you can do about that. Thanks. No, but uh, that's, that's how the bias falls sometimes. Um, so anyway, I found myself working on the House of Wellness, right, because I'd worked with Chemist Warehouse in radio and they produced the House of Honours and I was doing little stories for them here and there and then I ended up as co-host and I bloody love it. As far as TV shows go, this is the best I've ever done. I love the project. I love the live element and the fire and energy of that. I love what they talk about on the project, right? But the House of Wellness, because it's, it's coming from the place of wellness and wanting to help people, feel better effectively, it's kind and really compassionate and really sort of has a real gentle sort of energy about it, which I really, really love. But because I was working on this show, I found myself in the wellness world and it made sense to me because I'm passionate about meditation and mindfulness. That is absolutely my daily practice. And whilst I have no qualifications to be co-host of a wellness show... (laughs) Like I'm not a what, what qualifications could you possibly Well I have? mean, you know, I could be a doctor, I could be a, a personal trainer, I could be a nutritionist, I could be I could be trained in meditation, you know, or yoga or whatever. I'm not I'm none of those things. I just happen to be someone who have lived experience in wanting to find a way to be better. I want to engage with my own health every day mental health and physical health, emotional health. And I want to help other people to do that as well. I would like to say, though, Em, that wellness is at times it's used in a really negative way for like people who are living with chronic illness and living with chronic pain, people who are living with actual, you know, extreme mental health issues, Wellness often is sort of thrown at them as like, oh, well, you're not actually engaging with your own health properly, you know, and I I really think that's dangerous. So whilst I love the wellness philosophy, I think sometimes the wellness industry can be a little off mark. Yeah, I get that. I totally get that. Other thing that you are is the founder of Broad Radio, which I love. Tell me what's it about and where did the idea come from? 
Well, we are building Australia's first radio network for women by women. Yeah! <laughs> <laughs> Insert huge crowd laughing. Yes. Yeah. Uh, screaming, chanting. <laughs> um, <laughs> it's uh, at the moment we live stream Tuesday mornings, 9am on Facebook and YouTube. That's our minimum viable product. Our goal is to have a fully program 24-7 radio station live as well as your podcasts, as well as all of that catch-up on demand kind of content as well. We're building an app, so that will be delivered by the end of the year. We raised 57000 in a um, crowdfund last year towards that app. So, yeah, I mean, the idea came from the fact that gender inequality is pretty pervasive in the media. Of all the radio hosts you hear, only 27% are women. And it's even worse if you are a woman of colour, if you are an Aboriginal woman, woman with disabilities, LGBTQI, women over 40. You know, there's just this vacancy. We're invisible. And that really has an impact in how society sees people if you don't hear the voices and the stories of those people. So as I reached, uh, well, I turned 50 this year, so I guess it was sort of, you know, around about 45, I thought to myself, I'm so sick of hearing about how women aren't important as they get older and I'm sick of hearing how women are pushed out of their jobs or, you know, they want to reinvent themselves because their kids have grown up and they feel like they've got all this energy and they're entering into their most productive, powerful decade, yet no one wants to hear it. No one wants to ha- wants nothing to do with it because we're not young and we're not beautiful and we're not sort of, you know, vibrant in the way that people imagine that you're supposed to be as a woman. So I just thought, ah, oh, that's something I can't get out of me now. I imagine that I can do something And I kept meditating and it kept just appearing. And in the end, I was like, Em, I just have to do it. (laughs) I have to do it. And I'm really excited because I have already so many women listening, so many women supporting, so many women on the show, behind the scenes. Yeah, it's very exciting. I love it. I love that this whole notion of social justice for you just keeps kind of popping up because that's the impact that you want to have and that you've started this and I think everyone thinks oh when I'm rich when I'm famous when I've done this actually just start now like start at home with the kids start at home with your sons and start at home with your daughters and start at home with your husbands or your partners or your wives whatever it is just start (laughs) because that will have some kind of ripple effect and our kids, oh my goodness, they're such sponges to what we, what happens. They are sponges, but also they're, I'm so excited about the shift for them in their generation. I'm excited about how at schools, you know, they're learning respectful relationships and consent in a way that we didn't. I'm excited that they're learning mindfulness because, you know, when you actually are a person who understands yourself and your own great and bad traits, then that is going to assist you to have better relationships. You know, that that kind of stuff I think really impacts. But also I think it's really important that we're having the hard conversations about gendered violence, about, you know, violence against women and children and the murders that continue to take place. Like that, those hard conversations we are having in a way that we've never had before. And now I think it's becoming, it's becoming unacceptable to turn away. 
you know, you're seeing it in workplaces, you're seeing it in industrial relations where people are actually, you know, we're getting family violence leave actually included in contracts. That stuff is so important. Yeah, absolutely. Absolutely. I mean, I think it's incredible what you've done. I think I don't know where you get your energy from because I'm sitting here going, so she does this, she does this, and she does this. Where do you get your energy from? Where does it come from? Because I can see when we talk about the wellness, but also when we talk about broad radio, your face, no one can see our faces, but your face just lights up and you're like, yeah. I mean, see, I would say that probably I'm very tired. (laughs) (laughs) Well, right now you might be, yes. (laughs) You and I are both coming off COVID. So, you know, there's a real, there's a weird lethargy you get from that. Look, I just don't want to waste a minute. I don't. I can't bear it. I can't bear it. My husband is a filmmaker, so he loves watching movies and TV. And he will sit and watch and watch and watch a screen for hours. And I, I'm like, can we just get up and do something that's useful? <laughs> you know, what are we doing? We're wasting time. And he's like, for him that isn't a waste of time because that's his job. It's not like I'm... I can't sit still because I love meditation and I love mindfulness and I have spent whole years just sitting looking out a window waiting for waiting for the messages to come that I needed to hear, right? So I can do stillness and I love stillness. But I, I just have to be achieving things in a day because I don't want to waste a minute. Why? Why don't you want to waste a minute? Where's that come from? Well, my father did die when I was four, right? So I guess I've lived my entire life fully aware of Firstly, mortality is pretty real for me and also how very fortunate you are every year to age, what an extraordinary gift life is. So perhaps underneath it all, like, you know, a therapist could probably tick that box and go, thanks, 200 bucks, see you later. Um, (laughs) (laughs) but, But I think it more comes from gratitude. I just am so every single minute to see the sunshine, to be mindfully in the moment where you feel the breeze on your face. Wow. Get out there and feel it. You know, to know that I can still run at 50, my knees haven't packed it in, then I better get out, like use it or lose it, right? I've still got a brain that can write things and make stories. And my God, at 50, I'm learning how to be a startup founder. I better use it. Like, you know, why, what kind of lack of gratitude would I have if I'm not actually using it to say that I you know I feel like I probably do need to take a break every now and then <laughs> you know do you think every <laughs> COVID, COVID sorts that out pretty every, quickly <laughs> every working mother would say that and then they don't yeah it's so interesting to me because you've got this amazing so firstly comedian radio host tv you've written a kid's book you've done the newspaper thing you've done the stand-up comedy have you ever had any self-doubt negative self-doubt and how do you deal with it i mean meditation is fantastic for that but what else do you do and do you have any self-doubt oh my god of course who doesn't i mean it's the negative it's the churning it's the negative self-thought that that's constantly over and over but i have through mindfulness and meditation named it and tamed it i guess um, <laughs> named a, it and tamed it. i love well, it <laughs> i mean it's a fantastic it's actually a technique um and It's effectively just recognising there it is again. I've named it. 
as soon as you name it, it kind of, you can then let it pass, which is, you know, a practice of mindfulness to put your attention on something else. I'll put my attention on something else today. Put my attention on my breath, put my attention on the sunshine, put my attention on patting my cat, you know, whatever it might be. So that's one thing. But the other thing I suppose is um, I really believe in mantras. I like how you said that too, mantra. (laughs) I don't actually know. Mantra, mantra, I don't know. (laughs) I say mantra because Oprah says mantra. Okay, if it's good enough for Oprah, it's good enough for us. I do. I, I always take my take my cues from Oprah. I mean, doesn't everyone? And if you're not, you should. That's what I say. You've heard it here first. <laughs> um, so I'm a big believer in mantras. And, in fact, I did another podcast. I did a series with another Emma, Emma Murray, who is a mindfulness coach, peak performance coach. She's amazing. And she taught me this way of looking at it she said a belief is a thought you've had often enough Mm. how good is that belief is a thought you've had often enough so we fill our heads with all the worst kinds of thoughts and they become beliefs right whereas a mantra and I have lots that I go back to they absolutely change things for me I might feel myself being overwhelmed with fear And then I'll be just like, you know, freedom comes with being bold. Freedom lies in being bold. That's Robert Frost. Freedom lies in being bold. Freedom lies in being bold. And I I sort of, that's one of my favourites. I have another one where I feel, and this is a a meditation for me where I'll, you know, I have to set an intention and I'm literally visualising the next thing I need for broad radio to happen. And then my mantra is, Ask and let go of how it shall come to pass. Mm. Oh, that's a good one. How good is it? Ask and let go of how it shall come to pass. Because if you churn on it, you don't believe it will happen. Yes. See what I mean? It's kind of a prayer. I mean, it's a prayer practice, I guess, because I grew up in the church. That's sort of where I lead to. But I, I feel like I'm asking the universe and the universe provides in bizarre, crazy ways. But yes. it's, you know, the universe provides. So every time I get anxious... I'm just like, uh, ask and let go of how it shall come to pass. Just let go. Let go of how it shall come to pass. It'll be all right. Oh, I love that. I love that. Oh, man. Our listeners are going to be like, oh, new mantras. (laughs) Oh, yeah. Get into it. Oh, my God. I'm mad for mantras. And then the other thing that I do when I'm really extremely anxious and I feel very, very scared, I actually visualise my child self, like that she's there with me and I'm holding her. Like I would hold my own daughter. And, you know, because you have to mother yourself, right? You do. Oh, that's lovely. Oh, I love those mantras. And I have another one that I love from the Dalai Lama, um, which is, I don't question the universe. Oh. Wow, it's a bit of manifesting, bit of woo-woo, bit of woo-doo. I'm very woo-woo, Em. I don't know if you knew that when you invited me on. I'm very woo-woo. But I read somewhere the other day, it's not enough to be woo-woo, you've got to be woo-doo. You've got to do something with it. I love that. (laughs) Oh, that's my next mantra. Don't be woo-woo, be (laughs) woo-doo. That's the best. You can claim that. You know, I did once make up a mantra, I'll tell you what it was, when my daughter was, uh, you know, a toddler and every night bathing her, I came up with one that she learned, we don't drink water that our bottom's been in. I love that. Age appropriate mantras. (laughs) Oh 
Right. And if that's not a rule for life, Em, I don't know what is. I, I don't know why you didn't, like, message Oprah and tell her about Matra. <laughs> Oprah would love that. Thank you so much for coming on our show. What fun I have had. And do you know what? I have watched your journey from out of radio into broad radio and doing this beautiful thing, this startup thing. And I know we've had a lot of conversations and I watched and contributed and watched the crowdfunding last year. And uh, just thank you for just giving females a voice because I think it will have an amazing impact. And I suspect it already has had an amazing impact. I know that you're impatient, so you want that to go broader. Mm, <laughs> right? it, it is true. But you're right. Like, we, have, we have regular listeners who reach out to me every week and tell me, and it's exactly what used to happen on Fox, tell me how one particular comment has really hit home for them. And then they share a little piece of their life. And, you know, it's just, it's beautiful. I really am spurred on by that. But thank you, Em, for your amazing support. And I've spoken with you a few times along the way where I was a bit lost going, oh, I might do this, I might do that. And you've given me such great advice and really kindly gave me your time and, and energy as well. So I'm really, and thanks for supporting our crowdfund. But yeah, it's just, I'm very, this journey with Broad Radio has connected me with so many women who will say, yes, I don't know you. This is a cold contact from LinkedIn, but I'll give you 30 minutes. And then the next thing you know, you're like, you know, we're mates and we're connecting and helping each other, supporting each other. It's just been extraordinary. So thank you. Oh, thank you, Joe. What a pleasure. And a few laughs for our crowd as well with mantras. I'm definitely cheerleading you guys all the way. And if there's anything that we can do at Team McQueen, I'm your gal. <laughs> Thanks, Sam. I know you are. That's it for this episode of Tea with the Queen. If you want to contact me directly, all my details are at my website, emmamcqueen.com.au. I look forward to your company next episode. I'm Emma McQueen. Thanks for listening. Goodbye. Thank you for coming.